You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Hey everybody, it's time for episode 95 of the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast! And, uh, that was too much energy for the beginning of this, I'm sorry. I, I really do apologize. So, this is episode 95, and we have lots of things to talk- You know what? We ain't got shit to talk about. That's the end of the episode. Thanks for listening, guys! Just kidding. It is real talk with the Pimcron. I translate. <laughs> I translate a bunch of words, Warhammer words, at least fifty times, more than fifty times through Google Translate. And let's see what we find out, right? How does uh? You'll never believe number thirteen what it translates to. That's what I should open with this as. But um, actually, you will not believe what Mega Knob translates to. You actually won't believe that because it's just strange. We have Tesseract Mailbox from John, and he says yes to boats, but he's there, there's a slight caveat to that. What he's referring to is a couple episodes back, we said, why are there not boats in Warhammer? We have planes, tanks, troops. Why not boats? I love boats. Well, John has a more rational answer to that. And we also have, well, here's an idea, stripping and priming models. Some people ask, do I need to prime my model before I spray prime my model? And then other people ask, how do I strip a model? So I answer those questions because I got all the answers. I got you, boy. And then we also have Want That or Not featuring Cronet 304. And it is involving a Shadow Seer. Yes, another one of those, let's go back into the archives of already existing models, and let's say what we think about it, and it's funny, she has a funny reaction when she finds out those diamonds are actually painted on and not part of the model. It was it was pretty cute. I mean, she's sick. Alright, so what have, what have I been up to this week? Well, I played a game of uh, Warhammer 40k versus my friend Derek, and it was fun. I played Necrons, and he played Ultramarines, and we just had a blast. We didn't really take it too seriously. Uh, we ended up winning, or I ended up winning, but I don't remember what the score was, and it's kind of irrelevant. I have not spoken to Derek in quite some time because of all the things going on, and it was very nice to talk to him again and hang out with him, so it was just fun. That is the only thing I've done this week as far as playing any games, and I have been working to, uh, I, it seems like I say this every single week, but I have finally finalized the Brutality Rulebook, and it is all done, and I have shipped out copies to, um, to reviewers, so they have a, a book on hand, and I have a couple YouTubers that are going to be reviewing the, the game, which I'm very excited about. And that is about it, working on the website when I can, and the Brutality website is nearly finished. I've got to add some pictures and stuff, but it's about done. I am currently struggling with the the format or the program that I use for website design. It does not like my version of Windows, apparently, so I have not been able to update the Shorehammer website with all the new tournament information about kill teams and whatnot, because I can't log in, and they are currently scratching their head, and they're like, oh, uh, we don't know what's wrong. And I'm like, well, good. Uh, I do have six months until the convention goes on, so I guess I got plenty of time. In the meantime, I have 
hinted last week at the bug I caught about Caradron Overlords. Yes, I have not touched them in about ooh, eight months probably, but I suddenly got the bug again, and I have assembled all three gun haulers, Grunstock gun haulers, and I have primed all three of them, and all three of them are over 50% painted. But unfortunately, I have ran out of Balthazar Gold, which is the gold I use for that. And I don't know when I will be back to the local store to buy some, but that is a first world problem, but that is what's keeping me from finishing these. And I love my Caradron Overlords, and I'm super excited to play them again. So, that is about it. Um, yep, let's get on with the show. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. Well, it's that time again. It is time for the Tesseract mailbox. Let me reach on in here and pull out a letter from John at pimpcron at gmail.com is where it was sent. He goes... Hello, Pimpcron101. I understand your thirst for boats in 40k. The only ways I'm seeing it happen are off-map points purchases for ship barrages or through a connected campaign system with games of Aeronautica Imperialis. 40k scale boats seem unlikely to me, but little boats at the AI scale I could see and would be excited about. I'm sorry, AI as an Aeronautica Imperialis scale. I could see and would be excited about. I could see naval air missions of escorting convoys with one side just having boats and escort planes with the other side on an all-aerial assault. Depending on the result, one side could get an extra perk or debuff in the next 40k game in the campaign. I like the idea, but they'd have to expand to almost all the factions, and I'm not sure how hot the game is selling. Even if it was just orcs versus Imperium with naval assets, I'd be stoked. Do Tau need boats? They already have a bunch of skyfish. Love ya, John. Well, love ya too, John. Thanks for writing in. And uh, so at first, when I first read this, I thought that you were saying you didn't know how well 40k was selling. And I was like, John, do you live under a rock? Because 40k and Age of Sigmar, I mean, Games Workshop is doing record profits. I mean, maybe not with the current things going on, but they have been in recent years. Their stocks have been going gangbusters. So as far as 40k is concerned... It's doing amazing, but now I, after this reading, I realize I think you're talking about Aeronautica Imperialis, and I would have to 100% agree with you. I don't know anybody that personally plays that game. Same thing with the Titanicus game. I don't know anybody that personally plays that. So, so I don't know how much of a option that would be to add to your campaign, because I'm not sure everybody plays it. And you're right, they would also have to expand that to all the races, which I'm somewhat surprised they haven't done for Aeronautica Imperialis. But once again, I'm not sure if the sales are that great for it, so they're not going to pump more money into it to provide, you know, Necron flyers and all that stuff. So having said that, I completely agree with you. The most logical, feasible, and instant way to add boats would be off-board purchases, just like you said. Just like they do the command point stratagem with the uh, orbital bombardment and things like that. You could definitely just add command points or stratagems or whatever and make that happen with ships off the board. But, you know, this is a miniatures game, and my idea was to sell more miniatures. And if they can sell planes, you know, they can also sell 
boats. And even if it doesn't take up any board space, even if there's like a separate little two by two board that they sell you just to put your boat on, I would still buy that. <laughs> Does that sound sad? Does that sound like I will literally buy anything they make? No, it's just that I love ship battles. I love naval battles. I love all that stuff. And I would love to see their take on futuristic ships and how all of the different races would have it and all of that. But you are 100% right. That's exactly how I would implement it not having the ships is make some sort of campaign when you're near the water or whatever and you've got a... um. You've got to land on the land like a D-Day, you know, and, and attack and whatnot. And you, you just always kind of say, oh, yeah, the ships are off board, you know, just out of sight, that sort of thing. And um, if you ever did like a D-Day sort of thing, it would be kind of interesting because the Defender could have like a artillery bombardment, all this battery of artillery. And then the people that are going onto the beach have support from the ships that are quote unquote just off the board but it would be like small arms fire support, you know, maybe a couple orbital bombardments or something, but you definitely could do some really flavorful things with it, and I think it's a good idea, but man, I really, really wish I had ships, and I guess you're right, so I guess ultimately you're just right all around, I I'm agreeing with you, but it's still, you know, the heart wants what the heart wants, John, <laughs> I really, really want ships. I mean, they make the little flying potato for Space Marines. Why can't they make a little teeny destroyer or an escort ship, you know, that's on off to the corner on the side or something? And they're getting more and more into making terrain and making terrain part of the game. You know, something that you bring to the table yourself. So this would be like a little blue clear plastic board that you add as a terrain feature. I'm just saying, I, I would really, really like that. And any water feature on a board anyway, I'm in love with, because I just love rivers and lakes and ponds and oceans and all of that on a board. Everything is always on the ground or in a ruined city. Like, everything is, even if you do the forest map, everything is just on land. It's so nice to have water features. Even, like, when I'm hiking and things, I mean, like, mountains are fine, but water features always catch my interest. If it's a river or a waterfall or whatever, for some reason, those are the most memorable things of a hike, would be the different water features that you find. So, maybe that's just me and my bias for the water. I live on the East Coast, so that's, I guess that's what happens. That's a byproduct of it. But anyway, thank you for writing in, John. I greatly appreciate it. And thank you for, you know, I never thought of myself as Pimpcron one of one, but you've brought that up, and that is the truth. So, I am, I am one of a kind. Pimpcron one of one. Uh, tertiary adjunct to Unimatrix uh, 40K. Thanks, John. Want that or want that not? And in this edition of Want That or Want That Not, I am joined by Cronet 3 of 4. How's it going, Cronet 3 of 4? Good. And do you know what we're going to cover today? What? Well, we are going to cover a Shadow Seer for Harlequins. Now, this is an older model. It's not the, um, the newest models that they've come out with. But it is a pretty neat-looking model. Let's see if we actually want it or not. So how would you describe this model to people? It has, like, a square jacket, blue and red. Mm -hmm. And it has, like, an ice gun. It does look like an ice gun, doesn't it? 
Yeah, and then he has like a candy. It looks like a candy staff, but it has a skull at the top. It does look like a candy cane, doesn't it? Yes. These guys are very, very colorful. They've got checkers on their legs, checkers on their coat, a candy cane staff. It looks like an ice gun. Yeah. Very, very odd, isn't it? Yes. He looks like a joker, kind of. Well, that's funny that you say that. It's funny that you'd pick up on a joker because do you know what a harlequin is? What? A joker? Is a joker. Yep. In medieval times, harlequins were um, uh, performers. They would perform for the king and they would dance and tumble and do jokes and things like that. Oh, yeah. Like I a saw, jester. I saw one in the movie once. Yeah. And a harlequin is basically that. So this person, uh, are they sitting, standing, riding something? What are they? They're on a broken down piece of building. Yeah. Yep. And um, I really like, now of course, the, the model doesn't have these patterns on it. You have to paint the patterns on. Oh. So, um, but it's a very, very neat looking model. I really like it. Oh, there's another one. It, is that from the back? Yeah, it's from the back. Oh. The oh. ice gun is very interesting too. Yeah, and they have like he has like a checkered booth thing behind his back. Yeah, that's um. I don't really know exactly what those are. It's part of his backpack. There's two big like horn things coming off his backpack. They may be guns. They might be guns. I'm not positive. But look, he's also got a mask on oh, his yeah. belt. And uh, the my one complaint about this model is that he's kind of crooked. Oh, he's yeah. not he's not straight up and down. He's, he's not just straight like it would be. Yeah, it almost seems like he might fall over or something. Yeah. He's like pointed um one direction. He is. He's slightly leaning, yeah. Um now besides the paint job cuz I really do like the candy cane staff oh, yeah, and the checkers. That that goes really well with the joke. Yeah, it really does. and But I also like these things that are coming off the back of him. There's like two long strips of cloth that come off the back of him, yeah. kind of like a cape. Yeah, and then they have like these hot cross things yeah. on them. Yeah, that's probably whatever um, group he's part of, as, is what I'm assuming. Oh, like that shows his... That might be a flag. It could be a flag. I also like he's got this really neat helmet, and he's also got a hood over the helmet. Look at those checkers. Oh, Whoever yeah. painted those is a mad person. Um, and there's another hot crossing on... He has shoulder pads on uh -huh. his shoulder pads. And he has a creepy mask hooked up to his belt. He does have a creepy mask, yeah. I don't know why the Harlequins are all standing on stuff like this. Like oh, the, yeah. the stone. I wish they could, like... Stand on the ground, like holding somebody up or holding something. Yeah, else. I do really like the the staff is nothing special except for the paint job. But yeah. the the ice gun or the crystal gun, this pistol looks like it's it's made of crystals, and that is pretty cool. I think like crystal glass, a gl glass like shaped as crystals, or yep. some ice or some ice gun that freezes people. Yeah, it's it's very very neat looking. So, I like the combination of him running and jumping on this rock and things like that. My only complaint about this is that actually two complaints. Number one, he's kind of crooked, and he's leaning on the base, which I don't like. I would prefer for him to be straight up and down. 
And the other thing is that if, looking at this model, it looks like it would be very, very hard to carry around and not break it. Yeah, and there's so many pieces. Not really, but the, it looks really like you have to have a small paintbrush to go in all the, like, there's like a red ruby on his chest. Oh, yeah, and all those checkers, you'd have to paint all those checkers on there. Isn't that crazy? Wait, did somebody just paint the checkers? Yes, someone painted all those checkers on there, and your hand is over your mouth now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all of those, none of that is on there. That he painted that. Oh my gosh, how did he make some perfect checkers? I, I don't know, but it's so, so tiny. It looks like a broken down burden in Chinese because there's like real numbers and that looks like white enough Chinese. Oh, oh, you're talking about on his base. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, it is like a broken down building, a piece of it. And there's like Eldari. I don't know why Gabby thinks it's Chinese, but Eldari <laughs> writing on the on the inscription of it. And it just, uh, it just looks like Chinese because Chinese have real writing. Well, okay. Well, they, they do have different types of symbols and characters than we do in English. Yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. They have like little drawings. So... Uh, all in all, how much do you think this should would be if you bought it? Um, I think it would be like to a to like a thirty or forty because it's very uh, or may, maybe like a twenty or forty. Twenty or thirty. Yeah. Now it is a character. This is a leader. It's not just a regular person. It's like a special person. A shadow seer is a special kind of person. So, usually the leaders go for, you're right, about $30, roughly. This one goes for $28, and honestly, I think $28 is okay for this model. I am i don't think it's too, too much. And, um, you know, some, some of the characters nowadays are going for $35 or something. $28 is still not a bad price. Yeah. And but the thing is, why does he has a ruby on his chest and on his mask? Yeah, he does. They um And on his belt. Yeah. They um oh I didn't realize he's got two masks. Uh three or four. He's got a mask on his front and then he's got a mask on his back. Oh that's so <laughs> He's got two oh, masks. Wait, oh maybe he could just be spying on us. Yep. Actually one of the masks is sad and one of them's angry. Oh, can I see? See this one, this one's angry up front, and then if you go around back the that one's sad. Yeah. That's that so is funny. So weird. And on the back, it's just so real that it look. I also see another golden mask. Yeah, I don't know what that is. It's like a bomb, maybe. It might be a, a phantasm oh, grenade or something. Sure, but one thing I think so weird about the bombs. Wait, this is weird. This this look. That's facing to us, and then on the front, it's facing. To us again, yeah. It, it's got a face on both sides, yep. Uh, so, all in all, would you like this model? Yes, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it is really cool. And um, I definitely also want this model. My only problem is, is I don't think I would draw all those checkers on there. Oh, no. <laughs> what? That doesn't you, that seem like it would be really hard? Yeah, because if you were at home and it was in the night, and if you had kids, maybe they'll like sleeping off. You will just, you just have a wife, and you just live, and then your wife goes to bed. 
this would ta- this would take so much. So much time to paint yeah. it, right? Your your wife would probably probably be sleeping at the time. Like it would <laughs> probably be midnight. Yeah, and I just don't know. I don't think I like painting those checkers. Um, I actually have felt recently that I want to start Harlequins, like a whole army of these guys. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what I would do because I really don't want to paint checkers. You don't have to paint checkers. You can do, like, stripes or anything. But one thing is, that would take a long time to straighten them, make them look perfect. Yes, it would be very difficult. And you would also have to take a tiny brush, go inside, and many things you would have to do. (laughs) Well, thank you for being on 304. I very much appreciate it. It's been fun talking with you. Yeah, it's been pretty fun um, (laughs) talking with you all. All right. Well, thank you for being on. Bye, everybody. See ya. Now, here's an idea. In this segment of Well, Here's an Idea, the topic is, do we prime things twice if we're using colored primer? And, well, the short answer is, no, you should not. So, most models, if you buy pre-painted models, they are already going to be primed and they're already going to be painted. And unless they have a thick coat of paint on them, they obviously can be painted again. Unless they're already distorting some of the details of the model unless the the paint is so thick that that's already happening or it's on the verge of happening normally you do not need to strip models normally you can paint right over them which tells you that two coats of primer is fine you you could have the previous owner prime the model and then paint it and then you can just prime over it black or whatever and you can paint it again you can usually get two full paint schemes on one model before having to strip. So the idea of priming something, if you buy a brand new model and you prime it black or prime it whatever, and then you prime it your army color, a lot of people think that might be a good idea. It's not necessarily going to hurt anything, but I have been asked that if you are going to take like, let's say you're playing Space Marines, or I mean Ultramarines, and you want your people to be all blue for obvious reasons, well, you can cut a huge step out of that. Instead of priming it black and then dry brushing blue, you can just prime it blue. Because I'm not sure if GW sells a blue, but I know Army Painter does. And there may be some other companies that sell blue primers that would fit Ultramarines. But, of course, there is some risk that you're going to over-prime it and there is always the chance that you're going to put too thick of a primer of black under the blue, and then when you go to do highlighting or washing or whatever, you're going to start distorting detail, and that is not a good thing. Honestly, the word primer is in the name. If you are buying a colored primer, it is a primer, and you do not have to prime under it because it's it's a primer. It's a primer. So... You have to, so go ahead and just take your plain gray plastic model and prime over it with your main color if you're going to use a primer spray paint. There is no reason at all to prime under it because it's already a primer and it will stick to it. And even though you will probably be fine priming it and then priming it your main color, there's no reason at all to do that. That would be like 
I don't know, pre-washing your car before you go to the car wash. There's, I mean, sure, it's not going to really hurt anything, but also, what is it helping? You're just wasting your time and money. So, one other thing that gets asked of me quite a bit is, how do you strip models if you make a mistake? Now, there are many, many different things to be concerned about when uh, stripping models. And a few things to note is that there's a couple different brands of chemical that people like to use to strip models, but you can't use all of them for every type of model. To help me be more concise and aid me in explaining this, I actually found an article on Daka Daka, the forums, and they go through all the commonly used stripping materials and exactly what they do. So here is a new one for me. I did not know that Pine Sol is used as a stripper by most people. Now, I per personally have used Simple Green, but Pine Sol, they say, is an okay method for stripping plastic models, but the fumes are very bad, and it will melt the plastic minis if they're left in too long. Uh, plus, it's not a super aggressive stripper, so you have to scrub it a lot like with a toothbrush or something to get all the paint off all the recesses. Now, there's a product called Fantastic, and it's good for plastic, but it does not strip the paint off even as well as Pine Sol does. It's actually even weaker than that, but it's very, very safe for plastic, so you don't have to worry too much about that. Another thing that people like to use is brake fluid, and I've heard of people using this before. Specifically for metal models, brake fluid is very, very good. It strips them off nice and clean, and it's pretty hard to hurt the metal models, but the plastic models, it will melt into a puddle. Not to mention, it's not super eco-friendly, so you kind of have to watch out for that, where you're going to get rid of the brake fluid when you finally dispose of it, when you're finally sick of having it sit around. Brake fluid's adopted brother, Acetone, is the next thing on the list, and Acetone is an awesome paint stripper, but once again, it is basically treated exactly like brake fluid in the fact that it will strip the shit out of your models and it will also strip the model to the bone as well. So metal models, once again, you're pretty much safe with any of these with metal models, but the plastic models, it will melt and deform your plastic if you're not super, super careful. Now, simple green is something I've used in the past. You have to let it sit for a long time, and it is probably the weakest out of all of these in terms of not damaging your model. It's completely plastic safe, but you really have to let them soak for quite some time, and then you need to use a brush. So it, it's, I don't know, if you're being super cautious, it's a really good choice, and it's also biodegradable. It's eco-friendly. It smells nice. There's a lot of good factors for it. Simple Green is also something that you can find pretty readily available, but it is something that you need to have some patience for, and it takes extra elbow grease, but it will work, and it's 100% safe for your plastic miniatures. Now, maybe if you leave them in there for two weeks or something, I don't know, but I've left them in there for at least a week, and my models have not melted. The next thing on the list is something that I've never actually heard of, and I'm actually super excited to try it. It was originally called Castrol Super Clean, because it was made by Castrol, the people that make uh, Castrol oil for your car. It is now just called Super Clean, and they claim that you can get it at Walmart or car stores, automotive stores, and it's a cleaner degreaser, but the writer of this article claims that it is a complete godsend as far as stripping models, and they accidentally left their models in a tub of this stuff to soak and kind of forgot about it. And 11 months later, 
the miniatures were still fine. It stripped the paint and left the miniatures intact. So the cool thing about this is just like simple green. It's biodegradable, so you can wash it down your sink. Not a big deal at all. But one thing to keep in mind is that you, if you have any green stuff on your miniatures, this super clean will actually sh dissolve the green stuff and strip it off your model. Now, it's cool if you get a secondhand model and it's got some shitty green stuff work on it. Well, hey, there you go. But just be leery of it. I don't believe Simple Green will do this. But it sounds like Super Clean might actually be a better product than Simple Green. But it's still safe, still biodegradable, and, you know, all of that. So this seems like something I really want to try. Now, the next thing on the list is Detol or Detol. And it's specifically in the UK. And I've heard of this a lot. People love it. It's a disinfectant. And... Uh, it's something you still don't want to get a lot on your skin, but it's not going to like eat your skin like acid, but it's still something you just don't want on your skin. Whereas simple green, I don't know about super clean, but pine salt, simple green, those things are kind of innocuous and they're not going to hurt you. But this Detol or Detol, uh, you, you UK listeners are going to tear me apart probably because I don't know how to pronounce it. But according to all of the UK people, it, is, it works like a charm. It's pretty safe for plastics. You can leave it in there for at least a week, and they're fine. It does say that you will need a toothpick or a brush or something to get into those little cracks. Just like I said with the Simple Green, you have to... It, some of these things, like acetone, will just strip the paint clean off. You know, it will eat the paint and all of that. Some of these take some elbow grease and some agitation in order to actually get the plastic off. I mean, the, <laughs> the not the plastic off, the paint off. And this Detol is very, very cheap, and they say you can use it several times. I found that also with Simple Green that you can use the same little tub of it several times. And they also say that Detol works well on resin and Forge World pieces. And you can leave it in there for up to 12 hours with no damage whatsoever. And uh, so that's pretty cool. They do say that um, it will gunk up the paint. Like the paint will get all gooey and you have to just wash it off with water. But not a big deal. There's something else that only the UK people can get. And that would be Fairy Power Spray. I don't know what that is. It sounds like a sex maneuver. Dawn Power Dissolver is another one. And that is the U US version of that. And the stuff is pretty easy to get a hold of. It's clean. It's safe. It doesn't stink like Detol does. And it works perfectly in just a 30-minute soak. And it works on metal and plastic. So some people claim that it's the best thing they've ever used. Other people claim Super Clean works great. Um, really, the only thing I've ever used is Simple Green. So I can't really speak to these other things. And Simple Green, it did the job. It took some time. But it's safe. I mean, it's biodegradable. You're not polluting anything. So it's really what you want. How fast do you need these things stripped? And how safe do you feel like doing? Um, now, there is mineral spirits or denatured alcohol, a.k.a. Uh, mineral spirits. And mineral spirits is very similar to brake fluid. Um, it is cheaper than pretty much everything else. And it works wonders on plastic and metal, but don't use it on resin miniatures. It will definitely soften the details and melt the model depending on the duration that it's in it. Um, some brands include acetone in their um, mineral spirits. 
And as said above, that will damage plastic models, so just keep that in mind. And mineral spirits are used for cleaning metal parts a lot of times for cars, automotive, things like that. Uh, same thing actually, um, brake clean, not brake fluid, but brake clean is something that's similar to um, uh, mineral spirits. And they will both clean, you know, strip oil and grease off of metal and whatnot, so... Just be careful. If you've got a, a model that you really, really care about, I would suggest looking up what the speed of everything is. So let me rank it real quick just to be concise for you. Pine Sol and Simple Green and Super Clean and Fairy Power Spray slash Dawn Power Dissolver. All of those are the softer things. Many of those are biodegradable. They're not going to melt your plastic, things like that. Um, actually, Pine Sol will. Oops, I'm, I'm a liar. Pine Sol actually will if left in too long, but it's not going to just melt your people immediately. Whereas acetone or brake fluid or gasoline, some people use gasoline, or Dettol or mineral spirits, all of those are quite harsh and they will strip paint extremely well but you might also have a puddle of goo so that's just something you got to keep an eye out for so hopefully i haven't spoken in circles and hopefully that kind of give you a little bit more idea of exactly how to strip models and no you don't need to prime it twice why would you think that you do now it's time for real talk with pentcron On this section of Real Talk with the Pimpcron, we are just being silly, plain and simple. So what I saw is my son showed me a video on YouTube where people would take words, specifically the video he showed me was Nintendo words, like Mario, Donkey Kong, things like that. And they would run it through Google Translate, that list of words, like a hundred times into different languages and eventually back into English. And then you would find exactly what these things would translate to after they've been translated from English to Japanese to Swahili to um, Swedish to Chinese to La Laotian, all that. And it's just random. So I decided, you know, I think it might be interesting if I did this with some Warhammer words. So I took... Uh, I ended up with 25 words, but I really did about 50 Warhammer words. Many of them translated exactly how you thought they would. Like, I'm just going to say, Rhino would eventually come back to me as Rhino. You know, it's an animal, it's a noun, it's a proper noun. So, uh, I just thought this would be interesting. So let's go ahead and read down some of these. Some of these are funnier than others. Some of these, I like to try to see exactly where they come from, and is there a correlation that you can obviously tell? Some of these are very obvious. Like, for instance, power armor, after being translated at least 50 times, comes to protection. Oh, well, that makes sense. But drop pod translates into stay in your inbox. <laughs> stay in your inbox is drop pod. We've got heavy bolter translates to this is a useful article. And we have Melt-A-Gun translates to No More Guns, which I can kind of see that one. Melt-A-Gun, I guess it translated to Melting Guns, and then maybe Destroying Guns, and then No More Guns. I, I can kind of see that. Uh, here's a weird one. Weird Boy transfers into Your Dear Son, which I got to tell you, My Dear Son is a weird boy. We've got Blood Angel 
translates into verify now, which which I really uh, verify. I guess would be like your identity, your genetics, blood, blood, and verify genetic testing. I I don't know. I don't really see where exactly that's coming from. Uh, but then we've got Exarch translates into government, which I did not look this up, but maybe an Exarch is a term for, you know, a government or whatever, something like that. Now, Horus Heresy, the phrase Horus Heresy translates into constellation rules, which is not really that funny, but it's just interesting. Blood God turns into blood wood, which brings a couple questions to me. God must be a similar word to wood. That would be interesting. Through all the different languages, Blood God turns into Bloodwood. We've got Power Fist turns into Advance. Now, i got to tell you, if someone is making an advance towards me and offers some Power Fisting, I will not accept that advance. Tau, believe it or not, in in irony of ironies, the word Tau translates into Male Lion. Oh, come on. That's what the Tau want you to believe. There's no way. Yeah, some giant, fierce, fiery, furry, masculine male lion. Yeah, Tau. That's what I think of as Tau. Commissar translates to ready, which, uh, I guess, I don't know, whatever. Custodes translates to mouth, which is strange. Lightning Claw translates to blush, but... The interesting thing is Lightning Claw translates to blush, and Power Claw translates to real finger. <laughs> so Lightning Claw is blush, Power Claw is real finger. Uh, Crute Shaper turns into, this is our croissant style. <laughs> that may be my favorite one. Crute Shaper is, this is our croissant style. Uh, white Scars turns into White Pain, which of course is kind of a funny term, but I guess you could see Pain, Scar, I got it. Riptide comes, uh, translates into Tears, which I don't know, you know, depends on the edition you're talking about. Riptides do translate into Tears, either for you or for your opponent, depending on how good they are. Uh, Riptide, uh, I guess you're crying a tide of tears, you're... I don't know where Rip comes into it, but I tried typing in Warhammer is the best game. And after over 50 translates, it turns into Warhammer is an important game, which is pretty much the same. Chainsword inexplicably changes into clothes coats. Clothes coats. I don't know where you get Chainsword into clothes coats, but that's what it is. Um... Reanimation Protocols turns into This Month, which uh, Reanimation Protocol, I don't, I don't, I just don't see that one. I don't know where that came from. Primaris Marine turns into The Original Sea. Now, at first I was like, what? Then I realized, oh, Marine, the water, okay, sea, I get that. And Primaris, I guess, you know, honestly, I thought Primaris was a made-up word, and maybe it is. Like primary, obviously, but Primaris, the word, I thought was a fictional word. And something, you know, trademarkable for Games Workshop. And maybe it does mean the original, or prime, or, you know, the, the core of something. But Primaris Marine turns into the original C. Craft World turns into the world of art. 
And, you know, I never thought of it that way, craft world as a world of art. So I feel now like the craft worlds are just giant Hobby Lobbies or Michaels. And uh, it's just funny. Like, they're gluing tongue depressors onto macaroni pictures and stuff like that, finger paints. Uh, I already covered that Power Claw is the real finger. And Rubicon Primaris comes into original icon, which is... Meh. But one thing that does kind of tickle me, the very last one, is Mega Knob turns into Thank You Very Much. And that one kind of tickles me. So this is silly, and I know it. It's very silly, but it, um, it was very interesting to see exactly how all of the similar words, you know, you always hear about translation errors in different languages and when products are translated from different countries and whatnot. And I just wanted to run this through several, several times and translate it as much as possible and just see where this stuff comes up. A couple things I did learn is that two word words or two word phrases make better translations or funnier or more interesting translations. I got uh, some words that didn't make this cut were like Necron turn into Nikon, like the camera makers. And that's kind of just whatever, I guess. But the Tyranid turned into Leaf, which I've got no idea where that came from. But they struggle with a lot of the fictional words because, you know, for obvious reasons, it's not really in other languages. The word Tyranid really is not in other languages. Google did its best, and it came up with Leaf, but I don't know where it came from. I wonder if there's a plant that's similar to the word Tyranid or something of that nature. But anyway, this was just silly fun, and I appreciate you listening to it, because I had a blast with it, and now we know that Meganob stands for thank you very much. So I would like to say Meganob for listening to all of you.